Mini episode 1257 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1257. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here with you. And this is part 26 of our Coronavirus Crisis 2020 series. We are taking a look, of course, at all things affecting society during this time. And uh, today we are talking about a Stanley Cup playoffs like none other under the circumstances here. And a uh, long-time FDH Lounge dignitary slash sportsology proprietor slash author Russ Cohen is with us as per always to talk hockey under the circumstances as the season, of course, the regular season coming to an end in mid-March during the coronavirus crisis in the early days of it uh, in the United States and Canada. And uh, subsequently uh, went through one flare-up and we're in a little bit of another one here, but uh, up north where it's been better contained, the season is still over with the playoffs and expanded playoffs are about to begin August 1st. And this will be running, of course, parallel to the NBA playoffs and finals, which we will be uh, covering here probably in our next mini-episode on the show with FDH Lounge Dignitary Ben Chu. So... A lot of similarities between the two events and how they're going to be going forward, both of which in a bubble, which I have long said any sport not looking at doing a bubble right now is pretty much insane. And, uh, again, yep. the, the NHL has that going, Russ, but uh, what are your general kind of overall thoughts on how this thing is getting revived and circumstances unlike any that we've ever seen before and hopefully like none that we'll ever see again for these reasons? Yeah, I was just on a call with the NHL, and that was interesting because they really did get into great detail about the bubble and everything else that entailed, that it entailed. But the um, the biggest takeaways for me, and people could always go to sportsology.com and read my entire article, but the biggest takeaways for me were, uh, like, families that want to come, they have to wait till the conference final and the final, and they, uh, they will have to, like, do their part at home, not to mix too much with the public, and that might cut down the quarantine period when they get there, but, you know, when they get there, when they start questioning them, if they, the NHL experts after there um, feel like they um, are a little bit at risk, they might have to quarantine longer, and so, you know, that's a whole process that maybe the families probably didn't know they'd have to take part in, so it's not like they could just walk into the bubble and just start walking into the arena. Uh, not that easy. So, so there is that. They're taking painstaking measures for that. They're taking painstaking measures for the players. They're taking painstaking measures for workers, employees of the league, employees of the hotels, all of that. They're eating all of that expense, which, again, I remember Bettman saying a couple of calls ago, that's probably tens of millions. And this is all so they can finish the season because, A, they really want to finish the season, B, Television contract, B, do television contract. So it's going to 
fans to watch at home. And I think that's a big deal because, unfortunately, with Major League Baseball, the whole, the regular broadcasts from, you know, your your home team, they didn't do much to, to give you something else at home other than a cardboard cutout and some plugged in noise. Right. Um, the NHL's going to do a lot more than that. They've got massive LED screens. They're going to use, like, all the sounds that EA Sports has in their library for games. That's going to be their present sound. They are going to do a lot. And so that is a big deal, too, because they realize, hey, you know, they're using more cameras. There's people not in the way of cameras. They can actually make this different and possibly better than we've ever seen before, where Major League Baseball just took the tact of, hey, you know what? We're just going to give you some fake people, a little bit of noise, whether we give you, you know, cardboard cutouts or CGI, and then it's just going to be the game the way it is. Enjoy. So it's a big difference between, like, two of these sports. The NBA, I think, is doing a lot what like, the uh, NHL is more better than what MLB is doing, which is almost nothing. Yeah, the MLB stuff, especially with the CGI fans, that's kind of creepy. I mean, the, the cardboard stuff, okay. Yeah. The CGI fans are kind of creepy. Uh, I was. You know, there was one. There was one today. I, I forget which game it was. Somebody put a screen capture up on uh, Twitter, and one of the CGI guys was like man spreading. I was like, really? <laughs> now CGI guys are doing that too? It was bad. <laughs> Yeah, I do enjoy that. That is pretty funny. But, uh, you know, this is a thing where you're, so you're saying with the NHL, families can't come up until the conference finals. So, in other words, none, right. of, the, none of the family members of the Chicago Blackhawks need to get their passports renewed then. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, and unfortunately we did hear that Corey Crawford had COVID. And so I think he's going to make it on the, tra- on the travel part. But it's gonna, I, I think it's going to be close. I haven't heard definitively one way or the other. So that, that's another thing that could uh, derail the Blackhawks a little bit. But the, um, the, other, the other big development is just the way that the doctors are sort of treating everything. It's, um, it's probably more than you thought. It, with 1,500, I think, league employees and 150 league employees and over 1,000 people, I think it's 1,500 people in total, there's like a basically a health center like in Edmonton, as an example, that will be testing people all the time. It's an actual health center. It, it looks like a, you know, like a patient birth kind of place. So that's kind of incredible, the uh, steps they're taking. Uh, just for your daily checking, like they don't have a mood ring like the NBA, but what they have is everybody on their phones is using that clear technology, the stuff that you see at the airport that helps you cut the line. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they're using that to gauge temperature and overall uh, wellness. And that'll be like, once you get through the checkpoint on that, you know, the phone will just scan, you know, that'll just scan you through. So that's, that's another nice feature that they're doing. You know, you can only do so much. Obviously, this could all still blow up, but I do feel like the, uh, the plan's pretty good. Might be the best in all of sports. Well, as far as the players and, and dealing with the virus and that kind of stuff, this is something we've talked about previously on the show here, and I feel like the next couple of weeks are going to mark a learning point somewhat. I mean, I'm not going to over-dramatize this and say we're going to learn a whole ton about the virus, but as far as after-effects, seeing it with a professional athlete, with players who have to have, let's say, for example, very good lung capacity going forward, we've been hearing all right. these things about 
after effects in patients, even patients that didn't have a real bad case of it at the time. So I, you, you look at in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, I guess he's come back pretty good so far with, with Utah. Yeah. But by the way, they're doing the same thing with the courts there, with the extra decoration, with the video screens. That is the way to go to keep it from looking like a completely yeah. empty gym. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. But uh, somebody like him, who supposedly had, uh, you know, not... Like, and more, and, I'm sorry, not yeah. more cameras. Like, the NHL's using 35 cameras yep. a game or something. Yeah, yeah, that's... The, the NBA and NHL coverage actually might be a little bit better than usual because of, and, and, yeah. and why shouldn't it be, right? It's not like you got to move this stuff around yeah. from arena to arena. You kind of, the NBA is using three or, or, arenas in Orlando. The NHL has the two, but still, it's not like you got to move yeah. them from place to place. But anyways, it's a thing where, you know, if Rudy Gobert can come back and play pretty good when, by all accounts, he had, and not a severe case. I don't think he was hospitalized or anything like that. But he was one of these guys that had a case of it that was pretty bad. So if we see athletes go out there in the NBA, NHL, and to whatever extent MLB, I mean, there's less cardio involved than MLB. But if well, we Freddie, Freddie Freeman's a good example. Like, he almost had a home run yesterday game against the Mets. So yeah. he looks pretty good. He had it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a thing where... It will tell us, because in, in, in talking off-air earlier today with FDH Lounge dignitary Ben Chu, we've been kind of going back and forth on these things in the media about after-effects and people, whatever. Again, the media loves to sensationalize and scaremonger. Are they, are, are they cherry-picking the exceptions to the rule, or those of us that uh, eventually get it, is this something we can look forward to subsequently, which is one of the reasons I've been laying so low, is I ain't looking to get something and carry it around the rest of my life. So these right. athletes may have a lot to tell us, Russ, even though they're young and healthy, by the same token, they're also the ones where even a little bit of you know, adverse lung capacity, adverse here, adverse there, could compromise their careers. So if we see all these athletes, even the ones that have had it, going back out performing as they normally would, I think that'll tell us some positive things about once the virus is behind you. Yeah, no question. I don't want to say all these athletes can teach us something because they might be medical examples as far as recovering from coronavirus but yeah as far as physical specimens yeah i mean not not to pick on pedro sandoval because he's gotten enough of that for one lifetime but you know he's a guy who again kung fu panda coming back in the way that he has previously sometimes but when you look at this here again i, I did a little bit of prep in getting ready for this segment and i gotta tell you i knew next to nothing about what the setup was in toronto and edmonton prior to today but in looking well, let me give through, you one more thing. Yeah. I was going to give you one more thing, and then we can mix that with your thoughts. Yeah. The other thing that's kind of interesting, because a lot of us didn't really know until this last call. Um, so we were thinking, wow, you know, Edmonton, why aren't they picking Toronto for all the big games? And now Edmonton, well, it looks like, you know, because Edmonton's newer, they've got more backstage room. So that's, that's a part of it. And then the other part of it is um, once they sort of decided on the place, they did a major build. I mean, they did a presentation in the NHL the day before the big call, and when they did that, on the video you could hear like saws and things cutting and then building it. And what I likened that to is like when WrestleMania comes into town and they sort of just set up there for a while and do all these shows, they're basically doing the same thing. That's exactly what they're doing. Sure. 
And uh, from, from the stuff that I was uh, reading up about today and from no doubt what you heard on the call, it was explained, uh, I'm sure, there about the perimeter that's being set up around the arena and the fact that, again, yeah. to, because I was thinking to myself, this is not going to quite be like the NBA one where they're on a campus, except it sounds like they are creating campuses here, where you have the hotels, you have the arena nearby, yeah. you have restaurants within the perimeter, and uh, it, it, I gotta admit, well, I mean, one of my first thoughts on this, and this is not from me being an elitist. I am a lifelong resident of America's North Coast, Cleveland, so I'm not looking down my nose when I say this. But my first thought was Edmonton. Everybody you in, the, in the Cleveland suburbs, though, I know you do. Well, true, yeah, in in in, in the ritzy uh, suburbs in the Southwest, yes. But uh, no, it, it, it's one of these things where. I'm thinking to myself, the players were probably thinking to themselves in the Western Conference, they drew the short end of the straw at Edmonton. Like, what are you going to do, stay in a Motel 6 when you're there? But uh, I guess the <laughs> theoretically, if you got arenas downtown, the arenas downtown, hotels near there, theoretically, I mean, I don't know if it's the same mint on the pillow that you get in a world-class city like Toronto, but probably close enough, eh? It's close enough. I mean, look, yeah, Toronto's got the better hotels. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, but Edmonton does have one, the JW Marriott, that was built um, about a year ago, right after the rink, and that one's very close to it. It's on the outside of it, but it's very close. That one's probably posh, so that one is probably where the uh, the better teams are going to stay. And then, yeah, you know, you start spreading out, and some of the other teams are going to be in a little bit of a lesser hotel. And hopefully nobody complains about the bed spreads like, like J.R. Smith. <laughs> well, you know, uh, J.R. Smith will always have a fond place in my heart because 2016, but yeah, I can't defend a lot of his other stuff. Uh, that And again, the whole spoiled nature of this, and NBA players per capita, I think, yeah. are going to be a lot more prone to that kind of stuff than NHL players who have, they have the reputation for being so... Some, though, don't worry, every type of athlete, there's going to be some, and there's going to be some tweeting... They get they get there on um, on Sunday and I think it's early as Wednesday they start playing their um, preseason game. They're gonna you know, a couple of warm up games. Everybody's got at least one warm up game. Uh, so we're gonna hear some stuff, I'm sure. Well, absolutely. But again, NHL players compared to NBA or other sports oh, yeah. have have the reputation of being the most down to earth, and it's a thing where yeah. this uh, during a previous segment on the show, I complained about it with our fellow dignitary Ben Chu about the over the top nature of when the NBA players got to Orlando and they were part of the quarantine. When they had, of course, prepackaged food, and we're hearing this, these overwrought comparisons to fire festival food. Like, are, 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 are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Everything that is being done is being done for your protection, for your safety, and you have the right. gall to complain about your rooms and compare it to the fire festival. And then I don't know. If I, you, know. I don't know if you heard about this today. Uh, this came out just not too long ago, but uh, good old Sweet Lou Williams uh, getting questioned now for uh, slipping out of the uh, area there and going to a strip club already. Oh, you know, uh, there you go. You knew that was going to happen. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's that's a thing where. You know, that's the one thing that can blow it up in both of those zones there, uh, you know, for the NHL and the NBA, well, is human error. Yeah, there, is, there, there are severe fines in the NHL, and um, they're going to do contract tracing, which I think would be embarrassing if a guy is married and all of a sudden he's got to explain <laughs> to the league where he's been and they've got to call those people. So you would hope that some of the guys 
to say also that I'm I'm hoping too that uh, maybe Jared Kiso finds a way to get inside the quarantine with a camera. Maybe get a couple of letter cutting vignettes out of this while we're at it. <laughs> that would be tremendous. But uh, as far as the play on the ice, going through here, and uh, we're going to be putting up at uh, fantasydrafthelp.com in the next uh, couple of days here, uh, a playoff breakdown, and I went and did a statistical breakdown, was looking at the, uh, the, the, the teams here and how they, they played out in a number of different categories. Uh, long story short... You know the Red Wings you know uh, playing, right? Uh, I do know this, yes. Uh, sadly okay. enough... Well, it, it, here, here's the thing, uh, Russ Cohen. This is coming back, and I remember uh, it, it, it was sometime, like in the 2000s, both of my winter teams, the Red Wings and Cavs, would sometimes be riding high at the same time, and then in the 2010s, it tended to be at different intervals here, and now both sports are coming back, and both of my teams are sitting here making plans for next year. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot in common. Yeah. yeah. So... In, in looking at the uh, the breakdown on this, so uh, the, the, tell me if this surprises you any uh, of the let's say the three top tiers uh, that we have in terms of breaking down uh, the the numbers here, uh, where there tends to be a little bit of a uh, break in this one two three your top tier Boston Colorado Tampa Bay your fourth tier is, or I'm sorry your second tier is number four St Louis by itself. And then the third tier, five through eight, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington. Any of those teams surprise you as far as where they come out? Uh, yeah, I think Philly's probably a little higher than many of us thought. I thought they'd be a playoff-level team, and, and they, they did a little better than that. Uh, the Capitals have been up and down. I still think they can come out of the East, but they've been very unmotivated at times to play some lazy hockey, even with all the talent. So I'm not sure if it's weird if he's not – motivating these guys enough that they just need their backs against the wall. I'm not sure what it is. So, and hoping now is probably going to play his last go-round here with the Cavs, that's my guess. So, I, I think that's the one where they're the, probably the biggest surprise. Yeah, and in looking at that, that's been a thing where, uh, again, I know you're a lot closer to the action on the day-to-day of the NHL than yeah. I am, but, I mean, one of the big surprises coming into this whole thing, I think if you're looking at from the regular season coming in is just the drastic drop-off with Holtby this year. Uh, what, what, what's basically the yeah. story behind that? Uh, I can't tell you the whole story. I think it has a lot to do with the defense in front of them. And like I said, there have been games where they're just not plugged in. Uh, and I, you know, I, I watched the game with, with a Cats reporter, you know, maybe a month before the, uh, the COVID stoppage. And, you know, he pointed out everything that they were – sort of not doing or doing, and, you know, the, the Flyers in that game were just taking them apart because they just weren't competing well, especially on defense. So I think I think that has affected Holtby. Holtby does need a certain amount of structure in front of him, and I don't think he's been getting that. Well, they're an odd kind of a thing. There, there's a lot of noise in the statistics when you look at Washington because of the, the different statistics going into our formula here at FDH. You, you look at that, and uh, they came out this year 6th in the penalty kill, 10th uh, right. in the uh, Fenwick against, 16th middle of the pack and even strength goals against. So there's nothing there that is nearly as crappy as the 28th in save percentage would lead you to believe. So it's 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 an odd right. statistical picture. Yeah, I think, I think when they win games, they, they win them convincingly, and when they were losing, 
they lost them convincingly, and I think that's what the problem is with that. Interesting. Okay, yeah, that is that is kind of atypical for a team to be as up and down as that. Really, really talented type yeah. team, and a team that again is is going to get a buy into the second round of the playoffs. This whole thing, of course, with the twenty four. Uh, teams in the playoffs. You've got five through twelve seedings in each conference, a best of five series as the top four seeds in each conference play a round robin sort of Olympic style here, and then uh, they'll be seeded one through four coming out of that. So it's going to be it, it, it's it's an odd kind of a way to to deal with it and with the extra teams in there. And clearly they wanted they they wanted the top teams in each conference to have some games yeah. going on while the best of five was, was going on. I don't know that it was necessary, though, that they be games that meant anything. You, you could have just as well played exhibition games. They chose not to go that route. Yeah, they did. Um, another interesting thing is, even though there's no fans there, uh, Edmonton and Toronto are going to play two games on home ice in their own locker room. Right. But... Uh, if it's a part of a back-to-back, just because they have the home locker room, they may have a different bench. They may not have the home bench. Right. Because they're going with, like, World Cup of Hockey rules, so that that could change things a little bit. So there is a little bit of home ice advantage there. Not a tremendous, it's the league as much as they could to sort of mitigate it, but it is there. I think it's worthy of pointing out. Yes, I mean, and, and a certain amount of that is going to be unavoidable as far as how that goes. I know that uh, just like in the NBA, uh, it's going to be a deal where the home team is going to have, uh, you know, their special effects going, I guess, for lack of a better thing. They're going to try to replicate the home experience in that way. So that's a commonality between the bubbles and the different sports here. Uh, Right, right. Like, as, as an example... You know, didn't Cleveland copy Dancing Harry with, like, Dancing Larry back in the day? I think so, probably, yeah. Our, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, our, you know so. You just don't want to admit to it. Well, our, our in-arena experiences, I got to say, I'm not going to defend them in any sport. They're always pretty hacky. <laughs> but I get the sense these days, Russ, that they're kind of hacky no matter where you go. In-arena experiences, what they play, yeah. what they... You know, generally speaking, I'm get off my lawn guy when it comes to that kind of stuff, and uh, yeah, yeah. would we, just as soon not have as much of it. But uh, they're going to try and replicate that just to make it seem a little bit more lively here, and again, to try yeah. to give some kind of teeth to it. Because again, there is when you talked about that as far as the home benches and everything like that, and then yes, the, the quote unquote home team uh, getting to uh, you know set their lineups, you know, in the preferable way. But uh, this this system really, 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 on the whole, diminishes home ice. Yeah, for the most part, it, it pretty much crushes it. I think. I mean, yeah. it's just it's a little thing. Maybe players will get that little. You know, the one thing I think I think game one in your own locker room or a playoff game is a nice little edge. Though I have to say that. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. They will have that, and again, a certain amount of this is unavoidable. You're playing on right. ne- neutral ice, aside from Toronto and uh, Edmonton, who, again, like you said, they're going to try and mitigate the fact that it is home ice for them every time out uh, in there. Uh, in in looking at this uh, here, I didn't see in the first round, and I guess this is not too surprising when you're extending it down to twelve teams that would not normally be probably even sniffing the playoffs toward the end of the regular season. 
Uh, I didn't see too many series where I thought there was too much of a chance for an upset. Uh, the, the teams that I like the best as far as a chance for an upset, I would say, would be uh, the Islanders over Florida, Arizona over Nashville, and this may not surprise you to hear, Winnipeg over Calgary. Uh, any uh, teams where, where you think they, they might be uh, ripe for a first-round upset? Uh, no, I actually agree with all those three. Uh, you know, Florida, it goes back and forth. I think, unfortunately, that Islanders-Florida series is going to be more focused on the coaches than it will be on the players. I think it's more because there's, there's two whole, potential Hall of Fame coaches there in Plenville and Trot. And I just think there's going to be more focus on the coaches than there actually will be on the players. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my gut feeling. So that one, if, if Florida is playing their game and Bobrovsky is actually back to being his old self and not that guy we saw this year, they can win the series, but that's a big if. So that's why I'm going to give the edge to the Islanders. Yeah, I would agree. Those are, those are the upsets that I have picked in the first round, and then uh, going through the rest of the field, I, I don't... don't think, by the way, I don't think the Coyotes is that big an upset. I don't. Really? Now, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've got them winning in five. I think that one's going to go the distance there, but uh, I, I think that there are, you know, uh, again, I found myself being a little bit surprised making that pick, but uh, as you say, I mean, they are fairly evenly matched. This is not the Nashville team of years past, uh, which no. a lot of it is... They have been, and, and the goaltending's a little shaky, and their goal scoring is, is not that great. And you know, if, if Taylor Hall sparks here and gets a new contract, uh, that could look pretty good for Arizona. Because Arizona's goaltending, now that Kenter's back, is better than Nashville, believe it or not. Yeah, it is. And uh, Nashville, I mean, and this is something you can probably relate to uh, as a lifelong Ranger fan. The Rangers, for many years, uh, built so disproportionately around Hank Zetterberg, then he gets a little older, and there you go. Kind of the same thing yeah. with Nashville. They have leaned on Pecorine heavily for a long time. The well, guy... you, said, you said Zetterberg, but you meant... Ah, <laughs> oh, the brain fart. No, you're right. You're right, right. Boy, am I tired. But no, uh, obviously. <laughs> oh, that is... That that is that is a Freudian slip for the ages right there, uh, as far as uh, the uh, you know wrong wrong King Hank, but uh, it is really almost it it's kind of the same dynamic there as far as uh, Nashville. Yeah. You got Rene at what age uh, thirty seven? It's gonna happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. You no, know, no question. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a uh, little bit of the same thing uh, happening there, and uh, yeah, I I think in in looking at it here. That uh, with Nashville, and again, you know, you talk these mysteries and stuff. You know, you look at the year when they were uh, in the Stanley Cup final. What was it, 2017? And you you look at because uh, you you were talking about the scoring, and that there's been some issues with that. Like, you know, yeah. you look at the development of like Arvidsson and Forsberg and a couple of these guys. I mean, that that development has yeah. not been the straight line up that they thought it was going to be for sure. No, it hasn't. You know, they missed Kevin Fiala and, um, you know, Ryan Johansson's been eh, Kyle Turner's has been eh, and that's hurt him too. Yeah, it has. And, uh, you know, you, you can't afford to uh, have a couple of these guys end up being guys that, that you would end up missing on. And, uh, yeah, it would be uh, quite an indignity for them to lose to an 11 seed, but it could very well happen. I think Nashville is very, very lucky to be uh, a six seed, quite frankly. 
you look at oh, this yeah. as it goes along, I don't see nearly as many opportunities for upsets in the second round because I, I alluded to those eight teams earlier uh, that uh, appear to be a statistical, strong statistical cut above uh, the other teams here. And with the exception of uh, five Carolina and six Pittsburgh in, in the, the rankings here, uh, the other six teams are teams that are getting uh, the first round buys. So unsurprisingly, uh, you know, those teams, I would have them moving on in this. We get to the, uh, the conference finals, and uh, I've, I've got it being a couple of the traditional powers the last couple of years in the uh, East. I've got uh, Tampa over Washington and Boston over Philly in the West. I've got uh, St. Yeah. Louis over Edmonton and Colorado over Dallas. Uh, is that the same final four you got, or do you see anybody else sneaking in there? I, I still think Washington could sneak in there. I don't know if Philly will get quite that far. Maybe Washington will be the team that beats Philly, even though Philly's played them very well the last couple of years. But I, I just think Washington could really get on the roll because they have the right guys, and they're not that far removed from a cup team. I also think that um, before what we were talking about with the conference final and final, um, Rangers Carolina, like, I, I just don't think David Quinn's going to go with one with at all, which I really would because of his career record. is just amazing against Carolina, but I think he's going to just go with Chesterkin, who, yeah, he's, he's a better young goalie, but he's really untested in NHL playoffs. And so that, you know, if Chesterkin were to lose two in a row, you know, they would have to go to one point. So that, and that could, that could hurt Quinn. Look, Carolina's got great defense. They're stronger down the middle. If they get any kind of goaltending, and I mean any kind, if they get NHL average goaltending, they're, they're going to win that series. And you know, I honestly think Columbus is going to is going to be believed. I do. I'm, I'm turned around on that. Torch has done an amazing job. They've got everybody back, all hands on deck, and I basically because the Leafs are not going to open up the throttle offensively, and they're going to try and play the best defense they can. They're going to Torch is going to outsource them for that kind of game. I yeah, I went back and forth on that one. I, I The Toronto-Columbus uh, one, I certainly see it going five games. I agree with you on uh, the outcome of uh, Carolina and the uh, Rangers. And, uh, yes, uh, they would be turning to, uh, let us clarify again, uh, Hank Lundquist and Cole, not Hank Sutterford. <laughs> that, that is a classic. But uh, it, in looking at this here, uh, the, the team is likely to – move on. Uh, I have, in terms of the seedings, my predictions would be uh, on that in the East. One Tampa, two Boston, three Philly, four Washington in the West, one St. Louis, two Colorado, three Dallas, four Vegas. And it's a coin flip. It's a small sample size. Those could go any different way. But uh, So I've got, uh, essentially, uh, when you're looking at a, a matchup for the finals, uh, what would be... Well, the one thing, the one thing I, I wouldn't necessarily count Pittsburgh out. I really wouldn't. Uh, they're going to sweep Montreal. I don't yes. know who they would get in the second round. They, if they get past the second round, I don't think anybody's going to want to face the Pittsburgh Penguins, to be honest. I got, uh, I got Washington taking them in seven. I think that would be an epic series. Well, it would be an epic series, and, and the, um, the big thing to note for that is I went to game seven the last time they matched up when Washington beat them, but I only think Washington won because Bill Kessel was hurt. Bill Kessel in that game was trying to skate before the game started, and I could see that he wasn't right. He 
played, but I think he only played like 12 minutes or 13 minutes, and he wasn't a factor. And I really believe that that was the reason that the Capitals were able to beat him because Pittsburgh really did need that extra scoring out of Kessel that they couldn't get because he was too banged up. So I think if they matched up again, boy, you know, Pittsburgh can beat him. They really can. I mean, that would be a good series, though. You're right. Yeah, and, uh, well, you know, Kessel's like uh, Popeye with those hot dogs. Maybe somebody should have put a couple hot dogs down his gullet before the game. And, you know, might have worked out a little better. But well, maybe if he eats the hot dogs without the bun, it'll be better. Well, true. Yes, yes. It's a uh, it's a healthier way, as they say. If he goes, if he keto, if he ketos it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and now now I've got this stuck in my head. That uh, we need we need a Twitter character keto Phil Kessel that would be awesome. There you go. <laughs> Just talking about eating hot dogs without the buns. Uh, I have to say, I'm looking at this here. My predictions for when we get deeper and deeper into this, I'm finding myself being amused by the notion that we are sitting here uh, a year later with a completely different landscape. There's never been a more. I mean, even if you go 66 to 67 from before. Uh, the original, uh, the original six to what it ended right. up being there, 2019 to 2020, never been a bigger difference in landscape between one playoffs and the next. And yet, I find myself being amused by this. My pick in the finals is St. Louis and Boston. I got number two Boston over number one Tampa Bay in seven. Number wow. one, number one St. Louis over number two Colorado in seven. And uh, more continuity. I got St. Louis over Boston in seven in the finals. So uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, look, I think this is Alex Petrangelo's last go-round with St. Louis, and St. Louis is healthy now. And we can't now, you know, now we can actually say, hey, they've had a great chance of repeating like the Red Wings simply because they've had all this time off. Like, they, they're not going to have that same line that – uh, a competing, a, a returning NHL champ would have. So that, I, to me, that increases their chances. So that's that's a pretty good thing for them. So I look at that and I say, hmm, you know, there's there's something there. There's a good chance for them. And but Boston, Boston's got a lot of guys. Like right now, we don't know if it's COVID. We don't know what it is because you know when the league's not letting us know. So teams hide it now. Um, I saw Pasternak in. Is, is likely going to travel, and that's massive because, you know, he led the league in goals, he led the league in power play goals, he led the league in game-winning goals, and somehow um, he didn't even get into the heart conversation, even though he was my number one pick. But moving on from that, if, if he's there, they'll be okay. I think David Kasha is the one that they're not going to have, which he's like an extra a, an extra player, I think, for them at this point. But uh, they all could be there. It could be Boston. It could be... Washington, it could be Pittsburgh. That was a tough one for me. Preseason, before all the COVID stuff, I picked Washington against Carolina. No, I picked Carolina. Washington against Colorado with Colorado taking it all. And, you know, I still could see that scenario. And I kind of feel like I should be stubborn and not pick against myself. So I'm probably going to still stick with that. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's played out. And the way that Colorado has stepped up from last year, uh, I gotta say that uh, you you saw that coming. You you really you you were on top of that more than most people. They they took a step forward, and as much as I, as a lifelong uh, Wings fan, loathe them, uh, I gotta say they really uh, stepped up and had uh, an even better year, a stepping stone year to where they're 
on the plausible short, li short list to, God help me, lift the cup. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that'll hurt you, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that'll that be painful, uh, as it would be if it was Pittsburgh. I mean, there, there's a couple teams on my poison list here. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't know if it'll ever be as bad as it was uh, back in, uh, uh, what was it, 01, uh, New Jersey and uh, Colorado. Like, just just shoot me, you know. Like, one of these teams is yeah, going to win this. Yeah, I, I went to one of those games. That was before I was credentialed, but the NHL invited me to one of those games, and you know, I still think that was a fun series, and, and there were some legendary players who played in it. It was Wong against Bordeaux. I mean, that you know, that's pretty good. Even even you had to <laughs> give a nod to say that you know that's pretty good. The other, there's some other fun things um, about these games people should know. So the referees actually um, they're there already. They already got through their quarantine period, and they're actually going through like a mini camp to kind of, you know, get back in shape, to kind of start skating around, to watching video and kind of taking orders from the league how they want to call. The league certainly doesn't talk about that. And so, you know, everybody's going to have their own specific thoughts about, oh, are they going to swallow the whistle or are they going to call everything? You know, we, we know all those things that sometimes happen, sometimes don't. But they have like 20 referees. 20. So... For all these people, and I'm going to say New York market and Philly market are very um, prone to this. I think even the Detroit market, if they were in it, is prone to this as far as complaining about, habitually complaining about certain reps. You can't really do that in this one because it's no longer, for this year, it is no longer the, well, they're there on merit and there's only a certain amount. They're not 20. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I'll listen, I'll, I'll still be... Uh whining about uh, Peter Forsberg getting away with flopping till the day they put me in the ground. But uh, I hear you on these, this talk about uh, the officiating and how that's being done. And, again, there are yeah. just so many different aspects of this thing uh, that are completely unique. And uh, the, the caveat that I've been using recently is, uh, and, and for this overall moment in time, one like we've never seen before, Hopefully we never see again. Like, hopefully two years from now there's not another virus that puts us back in the same spot. And, uh, you know, once is enough. But, again, and this is a thing where, and I, I mean, I think anybody with any kind of conscience has to feel weird about saying this because of the terrible societal toll that is attached to all of this. But having said that, I mean, in both the NBA and the NHL, I mean, this is giving us something where... It is going to be a unique experience, one that we're always going to remember, one that, as you said, the TV might be better in some ways with the presentation. And this is a unique kind of a thing that, you know, in, in the midst of a very terrible time, we really can treasure, particularly if they make it all the way through this some bitch, which, again, you know, fingers crossed on that. Uh, every time a guy like Sweet Lou Williams breaks... Uh, the, the, the quarantine down in Orlando, it gets a little further away from happening. Hopefully that doesn't happen in Toronto and or Edmonton. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, this is definitely going to be something unique. It's going to be different. It's going to be uh, some really, really competitive hockey. And uh, as is always the case, once you get further into this thing, now, very high-level hockey. There's some shenanigans going on. Like, a perfect blue uh, red herring is... Um, Brad Marchand saying, yeah, there's going to be some sloppy hockey and everything else. He is setting that up. Anytime Brad Marchand says something like that, he knows it's going to be the opposite. Yeah. Like, he knows that. He probably already has an idea that it's 
guys are pretty with it. They just need to get a game or two to get in tone, get in, get in touch with themselves, and they're going to be fine. And that's why he's saying the opposite. He's already playing mind games. Never ever believe Brad Marchand. That's, that's a fact. Well, I, I just hope some uh, reporter had been there to ask him the follow-up question, like, "What? You mean like guys biffing their shift changes?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, and as you could probably guess, uh, Russ, I don't like Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins, so I had to get that in there. <laughs> uh, you know, I have said that uh, you know one of the things that I might like to do. Once this thing is, is all done, once this uh, crisis is behind us, a great way to celebrate, I would say, would be to drive up to the Boston area uh, with endless amounts of rolls of quarters and just walk into bars and play $10 worth of Gloria in every sports bar I walk into. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I like that. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, and that, and I gotta say too, FDH Lounge dignitary Chris Galloway, who, in his defense, is a transplanted Rhode Islander. So okay, so he's got, uh, he he lives here, but he's also a child, so he's got allegiances both ways, and uh, uh, so he he was uh, he was happily uh, pointing out on Facebook the other day about uh, Portnoy getting the interview at the White House. Hey, it's the president and El Presidente, whereupon you would have been proud of me, Russ. I replied on there. I said, you know, that guy is typical chowed trash. I wish there had been a guy with a bullhorn outside the White House gates yelling in there about the 2017 and 2018 NBA Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, if you want to talk about more on television, that, that's what that was. I'm sure <laughs> Uh, I am not a Portnoy guy uh, or barstool guy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I mean, you know, he he and his minions have gone from dropping n bombs on players at Fenway Park to now getting uh, Rose Garden interviews. So there you go. I but, mean, they're, they're, they're not even credentialed in certain leagues because the leagues are sick of them, and the, and the president gives them an advice. Like, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am not. Uh, I. I am not a I am not a Portnoy guy. I am not a guy who is uh, for anything about Chowd Nation in any sport, uh, including this one. So I will certainly be hoping that the Bruins aren't lifting the cup at the end. I mean, I have a lot of teams I hate in this. Let's be perfectly honest: Boston, uh, Colorado, Pittsburgh. I mean, I could be facing some well, dire choices. Boston's going to be good, though, man. They they've got a great goalie tandem. They're going to be good. I mean, the best goalie tandem might be the Vegas Knights. I mean, yeah. They, even if even if Murray were to you know not be good, they've got Robin Leonard. I mean, they they could actually make a run here too. I mean, wouldn't shock me. Yeah, they they could. I uh, I've got but I've got them drawing Edmonton in the second round. I've got that one going five, but Edmonton going over. I mean, that that would certainly be an epic series right there. Yeah, that was a good series. Tippett, uh, Edmonton defense is so much better. It's like night and day. Um, Tippett really has them playing well. He's got Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing really terrific defense. But also, um, their penalty killers, killer. Right. Like, these are the things that Tippett has always preached, and you would know that because, you know, you've watched enough Western games, but he really, he's really got them going in that regard. Uh, do they have the best goaltending? No. So, I don't think Edmonton would beat, uh, Vegas. I don't think. It's, uh, again, with the explosiveness of the offense, that's what I'd be betting on under the yeah. circumstances. And, yeah, they don't, you're, you're right that they do not have what it takes 
uh, to get through this field. Uh, I'm although, not a big Koskinen guy. I don't think Koskinen's that good. And, it's, and it's, you know, we're going to be talking Mike Smith. I, you know, I think we've all seen enough of Mike Smith to know. We have, but I will say this, uh, again, much like how you saw Colorado taking a big step forward this year, uh, I was calling for a big come-up from Edmonton because I thought, uh, again, they had too much uh, talent to be kind of floundering as they were the previous year. So uh, it it has really kind of turned around for them and uh, for them to be in the picture here. And, again, hosting one of the two sites, uh, it is going to be phenomenal. But uh, we will look to uh, hopefully – uh, shoot back with you on the uh, preview of the uh, Stanley Cup final. As I keep saying for these things here, can't wait. We'll, you know, we'll cross our fingers though, because as we know in this world right now, anything can happen. Russ, I uh, you, you 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 anticipated me perfectly. I was just about to say, in any of these things here, it's always the next segment is going to be either Requiem for a Season or Stanley Cup Finals Preview. <laughs> and that's, right. that's kind of where we are. I mean, we'll, we'll either be recapping why it didn't come off or previewing hopefully what will be a great and exciting final and a capstone yep. to uh, quite a period of time here. And, uh, again, this is going to be just a remarkable, remarkable spectacle uh, once in a lifetime, and as I'm saying, Hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully we don't have to go back to this playbook in subsequent years because uh, I don't think any of us could take any of that on any level. But uh, in the meantime, a lot of great hockey ahead and uh, a lot of things to uh, kind of distract us from our woes and maybe help us uh, deal with it a little bit better as we go along. We can only hope. But uh, certainly uh, we can file in that basket any of these conversations with you, Russ. Always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, again, you, you've always, we talk about this a lot on the show, and we've done a lot of dedicated segments uh, on your books. Take a minute here before we wrap and uh, just uh, talk about what is uh, the latest and greatest going on for you in that regard. Sure. Um, Sticks and Stones is my latest and greatest. It's a, um, a book on college hockey, how it prepares people for life. Uh, Steve Carell from the office is in there because he was a Division three goalie. Uh, Quinn Hughes and Cam McCarr, the two of the top picks for the Calder, are in there. So it's chock full of great profiles and, and a lot of fun stuff. Did it with Adam Woden. Um, also, Baseball's Best Rookies, second edition is out. That's really great. We um, we added guys like Bryce Harper and Shoei Otani and uh, Jacob DeGrom. Got to add Jacob DeGrom, right? I couldn't yeah. add Pete Alonso because the way this book release was going to go, um, if I waited on Pete Alonzo, because you can't put him in and hope that he wins it, even though we thought he would. Right. Because what if he didn't? Then all of a sudden, you know, nobody, you've got a book with the print, long printed information. Yeah, true. The part, right? So that would be embarrassing, right? So you can't do it. So, um, but that's out. And then Pioneers of Baseball is still out. That one, I really like to push because it's baseball the way it was meant to be, not this baseball that we are sort of stuck with now, um, yeah. even though I still love baseball, but it's from the 1890s to the early 1900s, uh, just some great old players in there, a lot of a lot of players from your neck of the woods and the Ohio-Cleveland area for sure, yep. uh, you know, so that's, that's something where people can check it out, we also, in that book, I talked about, um, and that book is just me, that one's all me, um, talked about some some of the ballpark food back then, talked about how the United States was back then. Uh, you know, Mark Twain was one of the uh, biggest names in baseball as far as being a fan 
fan and a guy who actually wanted to be an umpire besides, you know, being a great writer. So a lot of fun stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, Napoleon Lajeway, uh, glad to know that he was, uh, of course, yep. uh, in the He's book in there. there. Yep. That, that was one of the first things I asked you about, and I think I've mentioned this yep. to you before. But uh, last year, uh, my brother came up to town and uh, wanted to do a lot of stuff with me, go a bunch of places we'd never gone before. And one of the places was uh, the refurbished League Park and got to see it. And I was there. It turns out Saturday is the only day of the week when you can get in there. And they have like a little oh. museum on site with stuff there and got in there and took a bunch of pictures. And it was just a wonderful kind of a thing. Uh, our friend and uh, fellow dignitary, Steve Callis, I guess a previous time he actually managed to sneak in, I guess either on the field or somewhere like that. So he, he did me one better, but uh, yeah, these, these places, yeah, yeah. I mean, these, these places are just, it, it's, it's amazing that any of them continue to exist in any uh, form or fashion. And uh, again, uh, books like yours, of course, will point people towards things like that and wanting to seek them out. And that is, a great thing. So we will uh, we will see how everything plays out. Russ Cohen, fingers crossed that we make it through this uh, hockey season here uh, with the postseason, I should say. And then, uh, like I said, uh, that would lead us to a Stanley Cup final preview to next talk hockey on the show. I look forward to that. I thank you for being here, and I thank you everybody for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode Twelve Fifty Seven.